and welcome to With the First Link, the podcast that hopes to make our future as bright and as just as the one that we see in Star Trek The Next Generation. And we think that one way to do that is to recap and discuss the entire series, one episode at a time, doing our best to look at all through an anti-oppression, pro-diversity, anti-racist lens. I am Rizzi Kaupersanoshi. And I'm Matthew Simone, and today we'll be talking about 11001001. This episode was written by Maurice Hurley and Robert Lewin and directed by Paul Lynch. It first aired on January 30th, 1988. You know what? The title of this episode is probably one of the reasons that people may not talk about it very much. I, yes. Every time, listeners, every time, (laughs) just... I'm addressing the listeners now in case that wasn't clear. Um, Every time I have referred to this episode when talking to Matthew, I call it the binary episode because I have... Yeah, the binary episode. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what order the the two characters in the title go in. Yeah, you think you want to make a memorable title for your episode. This might have not... one one zero zero one zero zero one. Yeah, it was like, hey, what's your favorite (laughs) episode of Star Trek? Actually, it's one one zero zero one zero zero one. Yeah. Yeah. For our check-in topic today, we're going to revisit something that we briefly touched on. Uh, I think when we were talking about Haven, uh, we talked like about fantasy versus sci-fi, and I kind of off the cuff said, abolish all binaries, and then Matt was like, let's talk about that again sometime. So since the episode features the word binary, I don't know that the episode is really about binaries, but it features the word binary a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's Let's talk about binaries that we want to abolish. Typically, I think we think of right now the the discourse around uh, binaries is in gender binaries. Yes. But there are other binaries that get constructed that are probably, I guess, false dichotomies, we could say. Yeah. Um, so what what are some for you? So when you said abolish, because I was like, abolish all binaries. Oh, that's great. Because there's probably a lot of links we create between things that are false. So what are some that stand out to you? So, I mean, I will be upfront that uh, for me, the big one is the gender binary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like it. I don't believe in it. I believe that gender is real. I believe that there are people who have uh, the gender that is like that, that have who have a gender that is one of the two that are typically associated with the binary. So there, I believe that men are men and women are women, and that includes like cis men, trans men, cis women, trans women. Uh, but I don't think that that is all that gender is, and I don't think I. Interestingly, like I recently did my census. And for gender, you had to fill out, I mean, I appreciated that they distinguish between sex and gender, but I had to fill out what am I, male, female, or other, and then fill in the blank for other. And so I said in my feedback, I was like, by by just by having male and female and then an other that people fill in. Literally othering. Yeah. And you're you're yeah. saying these are the default regular ones and these other ones are are different. Yeah, exactly. They're literally othered. And then the same thing yeah. with, uh, well, well, for, for biological, well, it didn't say biological sex. It said like sex assigned at birth. And the only options there were male and female. And that, uh, I think forces some intersex people to lie because some intersex people are neither assigned female or male at birth. So. Yeah. So the big one for me when I said that was the gender binary. Uh, but I think there are. The, the idea of like good versus evil, I think, um, yeah. I think it's not necessarily that like good and evil are actually the same thing, but I just think it can be a lot more complicated than that because people have different interests. And like one thing I think about a lot when I teach is 
the idea of like universal design, which is a wonderful concept, which is basically making education accessible to everything. The only problem that I have encountered is that sometimes the thing that makes education accessible to one person makes it inaccessible to another person. Mm-hmm. You know, just just the idea of like any kind of either or never works. It always has to be a both and. So why does that happen so much? Why do we create all these binaries? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've been reflecting on this myself. I almost wonder if it's a way to to more easily try to define society. Because we don't want to sit in those, I'm going to call it shades of gray, mm-hmm. but uh the kind of those in-between stages like you just said about good and evil right it's like we want we want one clearly defined good one clearly defined evil some of our science fiction does that and i but not all of it actually this is one point on if i'm going to jump franchises for a bit here but this is one of the things that people always say about star wars Mm. they're like star wars was always about good and evil you literally had one character who said that another character still had good inside of them and worked against everyone else's good versus evil narrative to then try to redeem that character at the end of the trilogy right Mm. and and so you had luke skywalker go against the grain when everyone was telling him everything was good versus evil and save his dad when deep space nine came out uh, i know a lot of people one of the focuses on that franchise was trying to have more characters that are kind of in this shade of gray and cisco reflects on that as well yeah it's it's interesting also i've heard like that young kids Mm -hmm. uh cat like to categorize things okay and so like like you'll see a young toddler going at a family gathering and they'll be like boy girl boy girl like like looking at their relatives and like yeah and i always wonder when i see kids doing stuff i'm always like uh, kids or people i'm always like how much of that is like a natural inclination and how much of that is building on what you've learned from other people right because like they wouldn't necessarily like maybe kids like to categorize things but but how do they learn which categories to use? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, you, you wonder how much of that comes from even subtle programming yeah. from society. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I wonder how much of, of of my own life I started reflecting is has been impacted by binaries. And one of the ones that, that I was thinking about in my life was that when I used to be part of a religious community was like you were either religious or you were scientific, but you couldn't be both. Ah, interesting. Faith or science, but not mm-hmm. two things. And in fact, if you tried to hold those two values together, people would say that you had been corrupted in some way because we we were we did like come from a young earth creationist right. religious community. At least for a while, I was a part of one, and so, and I always had a real problem with that. And I was like, I can't, I can't distinguish those. I can't separate. Like my faith, if it's going to exist, it needs to exist within a world that's still based on science. And there might be spirituality that influences that science, but science is still the way that we understand the universe. And that was not allowed. Like That cannot be. That's interesting because I think that's also something that has come up in a lot of atheist communities. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't both be like a rational, intelligent person and have a belief in some kind of religion. Right. Because that's not logical. I, a lot of people have demonstrated that it is possible to hold those two things in your mind. Yeah. And, and there are, there even have been scientists that are 
that are still atheists who still find a concept of spirituality within the science that they do. Sure. And so I think that that is okay as well. So yeah, it seems that binaries always want to exclude other possibilities mm-hmm. in between like these, the, again, these dichotomies that may have been false themselves, but don't consider that there are other branches of possible existence there. So when you said that, when you're like abolishable binaries, I was like, holy smokes, like, I, I wonder in how many ways when we talk about diversity, inclusion, uh, you know, creating space for people, how many of those those works come down to breaking down or abolishing some kind of binary mm-hmm. that has existed in the past? Mm-hmm. And I, I bet you it's it's often. Yeah. yeah. That's why it was like it sat in my brain after you said it for a while. I was like, oh, wait a second. That's I'm glad Star Trek provided us with an episode <laughs> that would let us unpack that a little more. Yeah, even though it wasn't totally directly related, but that's, that's okay. okay. That's okay. That's fine. There were the only other episodes that kind of go into this territory sort of yeah, in the future. Yeah. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we, we can revisit it. It's at fine. That. It's fine. I actually, I had a teacher in high school who talked a lot about like how you need to learn to love the in-betweens. Liminal spaces. Yeah. So when, yeah. when I find that my life is in a difficult, like when I find I'm going through difficult things in my life, I kind of think back to that. And I think that kind of connects to this idea of like abolishing binaries that, that it's, it's not about one or the other. It's about the mush in the middle. That's where the interesting stuff happens. That's that's what life really is. If I don't have to wear a mask, I'm free. If I have to wear one, I'm being censored and oppressed. <laughs> right? You're like, wait a second. Let's just make. Let's just state for the record that's not actually what you believe. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Right? I'm. I'm this is an example of a yeah, false binary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you said, in a way, maybe it's like you said, it's that comfort in the liminal space, and our whole society is stuck in a liminal space right now. That, that's kind of what as the pandemic for, is, yeah. right? Yeah. And so maybe super liminal. super liminal. So as a way to try to like find out, uh, out of that discomfort of the liminal space, these binaries end up being created that are totally false. And so maybe that's that's what's happening, right? When we that if that it's the 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 reluctance to be in the middle, we don't like that. Yeah. We want to be on one or the other. Yeah. You know? So let's get uh, let's get into the episode now, yeah. <laughs> On right, that note, um, we actually are a little bit shorter than some of our our other pre pre episode <laughs> warm up, so we're not we're not doing so bad. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. In this episode, the Enterprise docks at a starbase where a group of technologically linked people make repairs. Then they distract Riker and Picard in the holodeck, surprise, in order to commandeer the ship. Discuss. Discuss. Yes, this is another one of Matthew's favorite genre of Star Trek episodes, which is the holodeck. At least it doesn't kill anyone this time. Not this time. We sort of start off referencing the previous holodeck episode. So the the Enterprise is going to Starbase 74 for maintenance and upgrades. And Picard says in his log that the holodeck hasn't been working properly recently. And that seems to be a reference to when the Harada probe zapped it and, and messed it up. So... Yeah, so that's actual good. continuity. Yeah, kind of. it's always a surprise to see that in TNG and any TV show. Kind of in this era, right? They were they were more episodic, yeah. and so you, you didn't often have a lot of overlap. And so, yeah, that's that's different. Yeah, and especially if you watch the show like the way I watched it, which was never in order. Like, right? <laughs> it wouldn't have occurred you to me that. that this is like that. This is referring to something that happened not that long ago. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Also, I like seeing the docking process and seeing people like in the star base with the Enterprise in the background and then people walking back and forth through the airlock. It gives a sense that the Federation and that Starfleet is like alive. Yeah. There's stuff yeah. going on. You know, there's bases, there's people. It's it's this whole space society. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So Picard is like, so they, they dock the Enterprise and Picard is like super positive, telling everyone what a great job they're doing. <laughs> a little uncharacteristic, but I like it. <laughs> We see just kind of people 
Yeah, doing stuff. And then, so Commander Quinteros shows up on the ship. He's from the Starbase, and he's kind of leading the repairs. And he he says they were expected a week ago, but uh, Picard says they were unexpectedly delayed. And I wonder if that's because of the Odin rescue in in uh, Angel One. Oh, yeah, another reference back yeah. to another episode, yeah. right? That, that, that things are happening that actually affected their timeline, yeah. Quinteros introduces... The Binars. So he's accompanied by these two alien people. Um, so they are Binars from the planet Binus. Riker refers to them as gentlemen and Kinteros corrects him that they're not gentlemen or ladies. They are a unified pair, which I think that's kind of funny. The idea that a unified pair precludes them from being gentlemen or ladies. Abolish binaries. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, Riker was just going to keep calling them boys and gentlemen through the rest of the episode. So yeah. that's not cool. If someone tells you someone's not a gentleman, don't don't keep using that word. Yeah. Especially if it's like part of the episode. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I, I also noticed here, I didn't realize this, but you, you have it written down. So the binars spell their name with a Y? The subtitles spell it with a Y. Yeah, I know. It's That's weird. interesting. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Yeah. Uh, why, why? But maybe they're trying to abolish binaries too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> oh, anyways. Okay. Anyhow, the binaries have become, their whole society functions on an interconnectivity between, it looks like organic living creature and, and computers. And so they can interface more directly with the, with the technology on the enterprise. And so they're doing these updates. But on the bridge... Riker is surprised when he sees four binars instead of two and thinks they're acting a little suspicious and tells Wesley to keep an eye on them, yeah. which, you know, as, as we said, Wesley's not entirely great with discretion. And so he <laughs> kind of just stands there staring at he them. He just watches them. I think also another important point that they sort of reiterate that they are they have to hurry because they only have 48 hours to do this because the Enterprise arrived late and now they have to be somewhere else in two days. So that's a, an important plot point is that they... This is going to be a rushed job. Uh, we have the intro sequence now. And following that, we have a, a Riker who can't seem to occupy himself. So literally is just like walking around the ship trying to see. He's like, hey, what are you doing? It's so funny. It, I love it because it reminds me of myself when I before before we had smartphones. This is how I entertained myself. It's by walking around talking to random people. Hey, actually, I remember that happening because we would be in residence together. And sometimes you just show up at the house and be like, hey, what's up? I would show up at Go your on. house with a bag of pretzels. I would just like to specify because that is what you specifically said you like to snack on. I do love pretzels. It's true. But yes, I would I just like walk around residence and be like, oh, I'll see what Matt's up to. What I should have been like working on assignments and you know. And what what was I doing? Also procrastinating what? from working yeah. on assignments. Yeah. yeah, usually by watching Star Trek episodes. Yeah. And if you weren't watching Star Trek when I arrived, you were watching it shortly thereafter. <laughs> That's how we rolled. So yeah, cool. A couple things we see, like Riker, uh he he runs into the the security team getting ready to play Parisi Squares against the maintenance mm-hmm. crew. He sees LaForge and Data painting, and it's they're trying to see if Data can be creative. He's kind of a jerk about it. Like Oh, the Riker is. Yeah, yeah he makes fun of them. He makes yeah, like that offhanded comment, like, oh, that must be a blind a blind man teaching an android to paint. So it's like you're being ableist and speciesist. Yeah, what he could have done is said, hey, this is like remarkable. Yeah. And they would have said, well, why? And he could have pointed out the fact that like you you have someone trying to help to teach creativity to another being. And it's a visual art that otherwise he would not be able to see yeah. if it weren't for this technology he has as well. So it's it's actually kind of a remarkable circumstance. Yeah, but instead he just says it, it's it's got to be worth a couple pages in someone's book. Like, yeah. Ugh. 
It's a little bit offhanded. And he sees Crusher and she's packing up her notes to meet with Professor Terrence Epstein because she wants to talk about her own approach to combining cybernetics and regeneration. She's super excited. It's actually really, really cool to see how excited she gets about. Yeah, she's totally nerding out about meeting this guy. And then he comes across the binars fixing and enhancing the holodeck. They spur him on to try it out. They're like, hey, Riker, try out the holodeck. He creates a New Orleans jazz bar, which actually I I think it looks like a really fun place to hang out. I would definitely, out of some of the places that they go to in the holodeck, this is one of the places I'd be like, hey, this I'd try this out. Yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah. I think this is where they introduce that Riker plays the trombone. Yes. I, I wasn't able to find, I didn't do a huge amount of, uh, investigating, but I, I wasn't able to find out whether this is Jonathan Frakes playing trombone because he does play. But I don't know if this is actually him playing when he plays. Oh, yeah. It might be like fake, like TV playing. Yeah. But he can play trombone. He can play, yeah. They put it in because he plays. Gates and Faden can dance. Yeah. And they made her the dancing right? doctor. And they made her a dancer. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And so in addition to the, having this jazz bar and small band that he can play along with, they also create one audience member, which is a brunette made exactly to his specifications. Right. And he, he makes this other comment that blondes and jazz don't mix because they cycle through a couple of variations yeah. of his of his companion for the evening. And I don't think that that's true. That seems like another <laughs> false binary. I'm sure there's a lot of blonde people that like jazz music. I don't know. It's also just really weird because like he later on and we'll get more into this later, but like he talks about how he could really see himself developing feelings for her, mm-hmm. which like would be a sweet thing if she had not been created specifically to his desires. Right. It would have been an interesting thing to be like, I didn't know it was possible to fall in love with a holographic person. That would be one thing. But instead it's like, oh, wow, this fake person that is made specifically for me is better than any real woman I've met. Like, (laughs) Yeah. At least they're being honest about what people would probably use the holodeck for. Mm, yeah. By DS9, they totally let go of that pretext yeah. that we know what Quark is doing <laughs> with his holosuite. So. True. On the bridge, uh, Wesley is talking to the binars and they speak at this very high-pitched voice because they're actually communicating, I'm assuming, in binary code. Super close. Yeah, their language is just about binary. And he thinks that their being intermixed with computers must have advantages and the binars say, and some disadvantages also. Yeah. It's a bit ominous. We don't know what the disadvantage is. What could they be? So Riker uh, plays, the song he plays is called The Nearness of You. And he plays it directly to Minuet, who is his uh, audience member. And yep. then it's funny, like, he's like, oh, I, got, I have to go attend to my duties. But she convinces him to stay. But, like, what duties does he, like, Picard has just gone on about how everyone needs to be relaxing. His duty is to wander around the ship and figure out what everyone else is doing and comment on yeah. it, apparently. <laughs> That's what he needs to do. <laughs> Judge other people's vacation time. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know how to spend mine. I don't know how to spend mine. Is there one, of the, one of the band members comments here about Minuet being into him. Yeah, they're like, oh, the lady digs you. It's like, well, of course, she's programmed to. Well, yeah, yeah. But one thing I do want to point out is that she, and of course, like we learned that she's programmed later. We learned that she's programmed to be like a, a distraction, but it's not just about looks. Like right. she is a very good conversationalist. She's really good at like getting him to talk about oh, his yeah. work and stuff he's interested in. And yeah. and just like there, the connection isn't just like, look at this pretty woman. Yeah, the actor they get for Minuet is great. She, like she does oh, yeah, she's, a great she job. She does a great role. job. Yeah, she also doesn't, I, I think she does a good job of like being almost human. 
You know, like she she plays it really well that she is almost a human. Yes. And I yeah, and I think that's kind of the point yeah. that they're trying to go for is it's that really she has good. this realness about her. Realness, yeah. But you yeah. can tell she's a little bit of a holodeck. Like it's it's really good. And fun fact, the character of Minuet or a character named Minuet was originally meant to be in the episode Data Lore. Right, right. Um, they were originally going to have a female android or a, a woman android uh, named Minuet and then decided to go with the evil twin. So it was going to be Data's love interest, right? That was the alternative version I of that script. I think so. Yeah, it was right. going to be a woman in any case. And But then I think it was Brent Spiner's idea to go with evil twin and have him play both of them. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he just wanted to show off how good he was because he did do a phenomenal yeah. job. But uh, but yeah, so they brought back... I don't. I mean, I have no idea how much of it was recycled other than the name, but they decided to bring back the name Minuet to be Riker's holographic love interest. Yeah. Picard awkwardly enters at this point while they're kissing. Yeah. When Minuet learns that he is French, she starts speaking in French to him. Yeah. It's because, again, she's very naturally good with people and can read them and and engage them. And Picard sticks around and it's awkward and weird. It's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then, but it's also weird because they talk about Minuet like as a holographic program, like they talk about her as a program and sometimes it's like as if she's not there. Yeah, it's a little objectifying. It is, yeah. I don't love it, but it's, but she, but, but then she also talks about it too. She's like, oh, how am I better than other holographic programs? Like, yeah, she almost has an awareness that she is outside of the realm of what the holodeck can normally is capable Mm -hmm, of doing. mm -hmm. Yeah. While Data is awaiting inspiration for painting, uh, Wesley tells him and LaForge that there seems to be a problem in engineering. He's reading something on the bridge that there's some kind of problem. Yeah, so they go and check it out, and the antimatter containment field is deteriorating. That's a bad thing. It's not good. It's not good. So, and then they they can't fix. It's funny because at first Jordy's like, "Don't don't bug the captain until we've sorted it out," and then Data's like, "We have to abandon ship. No time to tell the captain." Like. Maybe you should have told the captain a little bit earlier. He's like, hey, should we bother the captain about this? You mean the ship exploding and taking out like the entire starbase and part of the planet? No, no, no. Let's make sure it's really going to explode first. They're listening to jazz. Don't bother. Yeah, no, no. Never never bother anyone who's listening to jazz. Jazz and antimatter don't mix. There are some shots of people like abandoning the ship that are taken from Encounter at Farpoint. I didn't notice that. We're already recycling footage. When they're uh, separating the saucer section. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the computer voice changes. It's not Majel Barrett. It's Michael Dorn telling people where to go. Because they need a scarier voice. Michael Dorn, his voice isn't Worf's voice. Like Worf's voice is a voice that Michael Dorn put on. So it's a slightly different voice. It's like Michael Dorn's normal voice telling people. The ship is exploding. Get off. Yeah. How many transporters do they have? He was listing so many. This is something you can actually look up because the Star Trek technical manual talks about how many transporters there are on the ship. And so there are several regular crew transporters, but then they also have the giant like cargo bay transporters Mm. that they can use to move people. I think the the Enterprise could transport like several dozen people at once, if not more, if I remember correctly. Because he's going up into the 20s when he's like people from these decks go to transporter room like 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's that many that they finally settle on. It's sometimes important because it, it does give a certain realism that you are in another world for sure place. for sure and it's also like i think one thing that is important to remember about like 
television as opposed to like a gaping plot hole in like a movie is that TV mm-hmm. is written over time. So yes. they're they're still figuring things out. Yeah. And I think that the technical manual for the Enterprise, I don't think was written until about season three or four right. of the show right. where they finally settle on some of these details. And sometimes you need time to settle on details yeah. in any creative endeavor, as we have oh, discovered sure. in the creation of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. D- definitely. And so, but what that means is by the third season, I need to write our own technical manual. Yes. Get ready. Get ready. <laughs> so the computer reports that all decks are empty before Data and LaForge leave, which is weird because they still haven't checked in to see whether or not the Captain and Riker or, or the Binars are even still in the ship. Well, they, yeah, because they, they're like, where they're like, computer, where's the Captain? And the computer's like, the, the ship's empty. It's interesting. The computer does not say the Captain's not on board. It says that the ship is empty, which makes me think that the Binars have like done something to the sensors. But it's also odd because usually the Captain is the last to right. leave so they're like yeah. that's weird that picard would have left before us yeah they, yeah they don't seem to question it but they probably don't have time to think about no. that at the moment because they think the ship's gonna blow up yeah. so and so they need to get the ship out of the star dock and they send it out basically on its own into space to yeah. get out and away from from being able to harm anyone they they transport themselves down to the star base and learn that Picard and Riker are not there. And secondly, all of a sudden, the problem that they thought was going to lead to the ship's explosion reverses itself. The antimatter containment unit regenerates, and now they realize, hey, wait a second, they may mm-hmm. have possibly been hoodwinked. Something's going on. We get some cool creepy shots of like the like creepy music that's like do 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 do. That's not quite it, but it's got that feeling. I was there with you. I, I felt it. <laughs> but and then you've also you can also hear the like red alert in the background and all these creepy like hallway shots of the empty hallways. Um, and then settling in on Picard and, and Riker hanging out with Minuet, still awkwardly talking about her like she's not a person, but Riker's still developing feelings for her, even though he doesn't see her as a real person. That's a bit of a red flag. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> but but then like Picard's like oh I I think I'm gonna leave he realizes that three is a crowd here yeah but she like Minuet keeps insisting that he stay and like keeps saying oh you haven't danced with me oh stay let's talk more about this and then eventually both Picard and Riker are like something's Wait going on here why don't you want on, him yeah. to leave so they like call for the exit and they see that the ship is on red alert and they find out from the computer that they are on their way to Binus yeah and the ship is empty. So Data at this point also starts putting two and two together and realizes mm-hmm. the ship is probably on course to Binus. And when they think, when they ask him, well, why is that? He he makes the safe assumption like, well, the Binars are still on board the Enterprise. So likely they are taking it for some purpose. Then we get another, we've talked about this before, about how like, like when we watch shows now, it's on like streaming or whatever. You don't have like the same commercial breaks, but the show is still set up with these commercial breaks. So there's like a really ominous shot of Riker and Picard going into a room and it then it says weapons room on the wall and then it would have gone to commercial which would have been really powerful not quite as powerful when half a second later you see them leaving that room right those little dramatic pauses aren't like they've been built around commercial television which we don't have anymore yet yeah um but but anyway they get weapons and then they what what picard decides to do and he and Riker have to be in complete agreement of this is to set the ship to auto destruct because he's like we this ship cannot fall into enemy hands so if we can't get control over it it needs to destroy itself and auto destruct 
for now, at least, this could very well change later, uh, has an automatic five minute countdown. You can't adjust the time. This red like digital clock appears on the engineering display and it starts counting down the five minutes. And I was like, is that the only reason that one clock is there? The auto-destruct clock. This is the auto-destruct clock. We just need this one clock in the corner and we just have it count down whether the ship explodes. Like basically, if anything is on that clock, it's bad. (laughs) You've got five minutes to fix whatever problems you've got. And then they also notice that there's a huge amount of data being transferred and stored into the computer. They're like, hmm, this seems like a plot point, but I don't think we're ready for it. So let's move on. (laughs) We're going to move on. Data is worried that it's his responsibility because he was distracted by trying to do artwork. And had he been paying more attention, perhaps he would have noticed that this was a ruse or been able to stop what was going on. And so he feels responsible. Yeah. And I like that, like he says, like Jordy's like, you can't be on the bridge all the time. And he's like, oh, no, I actually can be because I don't need rest or like food or sleep or anything like that. But nobody is in agreement with him that this is his responsibility like yar is like no you it could you could have been on the bridge and the same thing could have happened and i she doesn't say this but there's sort of an implication of like you know you could have been taken by the binars too like there's right. and and i also like the idea that like whether you need rest or not having time to do things for yourself is just a good thing when the pandemic first hit i saw this meme going around that basically said if you don't now accomplish the things that you wanted to accomplish, assuming that you're at home or you're in lockdown or you're on CERB or whatever, that means you didn't have the time. You just didn't have the motivation. Right. I thought that was pretty toxic because I think that this is this is a binary in our society mm-hmm. is that you're either productive or you're resting, but you can't be both. Like right. rest is right. not productive and or that if you have time, you should always be using it to work. Right. And that's just not the case. That's not true. It's That's a pretty toxic binary in our society. Even when people talk about the importance of rest, it's still often like in the service of productivity. You yeah. should rest so that you are a better laborer laborer for capitalism. Yeah. yeah. And and even that, I mean, it's true that you will be because it's hard to work when you're not rested, but we should be allowing people to rest because it's just good for people to rest. Yeah, and it's okay to enjoy your time. It's okay to paint Yeah, it's okay to do that. And also like when you're allowed, like, like, again, this is sort of going back to the idea of productivity, which I don't think is the only reason people should be allowed to rest. But I also think it's important to like acknowledge that when people are allowed to be just like creative or to just have fun, amazing things can happen. Like kids learn the most when they're doing unstructured play. And what kinds of advent or like inventions or, you know, how problem solving can you come up with when you just allow your mind to be free? And I think that's probably true of data as much as it is of any organic being. There's a dangerous subtext to the way that we've structured capitalist society is that if people aren't motivated to work, then they aren't going to do anything. This is the whole argument people try to use against things like universal basic income. Right. right. Yeah, but- that it's it's going to lower overall. It will lower. It may lower some productivity for some people. Like it, it, there might be some companies that aren't going to get as wealthy. But the overall like contribution to society, I think would I mean, that's that's basically what we're hoping to create in a Star Trek future yeah. is that people aren't working because they're they have motivation to stave off starvation. Right. It's it's so that they can go and explore and do like awesome creative stuff with our whole civilization. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, yeah, starvation is definitely a powerful motivator, but 
it's it's not the only one and it's it's it doesn't make for like a better society the threat of starvation and death and no and data can't starve anyway yeah but so he it's still like works, give him so. the time yeah yeah give him the time that he yeah he may not need to eat he doesn't need to rest but it's still okay for even that being mm-hmm. to go and paint. Totally. And so it's it's I'm glad that they support him in this yes. and they're not like, yeah, you should have definitely been on the bridge. <laughs> you lazy yeah. android. Yeah, for sure. There's no ship that's ready to like intercept. So really like Picard and Riker are kind of on their own with this. The right. the Starbase can't send another ship to intercept yeah. with them. So they they decide together that they have to go together to beam onto the bridge because if one of them goes in at a time, they can be overtaken. Although at this point, there's no indication that binars are like violent or anything, but they might be able to get them before they materialize. What I like at this point is that now they need to start acting as like a pair. Oh, so yeah. they, they've seen the other characters yeah, have been like working that. as a pair and all of a sudden they have to start operating yeah. as like a pair themselves. And so I thought it was a way that the show is trying to show how they're they're connected now they to each are. other. And this, we haven't seen much of this yet, but I think Picard and Riker are both at their best when they're working together. I know, and I we don't get to see that often because usually on an adventure, one of them is always down on the planet and one of them has to stay in command. And they don't get to do a lot of stuff together, but unfortunately. They, I love their dynamic when they work together. They're they're so great. Like it's one yeah. of those like when the the whole is better, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Totally. Yeah. They, they so they beam onto like yeah different parts of the bridge, hoping to like one of them will be a distraction and the other one will be able to take control of the of the yeah. ship. One of, one of them will draw fire. Yeah, but sure, uh, <laughs> the the binars are like lying on the floor, practically practically dead. Like they're dying, and they beg yeah, for help. But they don't say what they need help with. They're just like, please help us, and then and then they die. Um, so Picard and Riker are like, well, I guess we can cancel the auto destruct. Yeah, let's not but blow ourselves up. They're in the the Binus system, and the planet's computer is off. And the Enterprise computer, they realize it must have gotten a core dump from the Binus computer. So the Binars were just, they just cleared out every bit of space that they could and dumped all of the data from the, the their planet's computer into the Enterprise computer they go to like the holodeck and a part of me was thinking like how much of this episode we don't see it but how much of this is just Picard and Riker running back and forth between like different locations on the ship on the, <laughs> like, the ship they're on the, the holodeck, holodeck they go to get weapons they go they can't go to the bridge so they go to the transporter room they beam to the bridge they run back to the holodeck that's great they're all over the place it's a whole tour of the enterprise yeah. uh but yeah. so minuet explains that there was a star in the binus system that went supernova and its mm-hmm. electromagnetic pulse was going to knock out the main computer. But because, as the binars mentioned, there are some disadvantages to being linked to your home computer, which is maybe helpful, a reminder for all of us. There are some disadvantages that when your computer dies, so do you, apparently. Well, yeah, and especially if your whole society is run off that yeah. one computer. yeah. And they mentioned this at the beginning, their their computer systems on the Enterprise are nearly as sophisticated as the Binar's mm-hmm. computer system. So I guess this is the one computer in the whole galaxy that would have been able to serve as the as a backup in the case of of, right. the, of this or, now failure that they've had. Or the one the one mobile one. Because they the needed one to bring one, yeah. it to it. So, to the, so, to the planet, yeah. so basically Minuet is like, okay, now just transfer the data back into the computer. But they they can't because they don't know the file name, which like, can't they just look through the computer and be like, well, here is a file that that we didn't have before? I don't know. 
Yeah, I think it would have made it a little bit easier. Would have just like push this button. Yeah, but they need they need to know the the file name. So they they contact Data, and I kind of like this because they're basically like, let's get let's get our resident puzzle master, computer expert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they call- <laughs> who is himself a computer? Yeah. Can you help yeah, us? Yeah, and so he's at first he's very unhelpful. He's like it need he's like you need the file name, and they're like, no, we know. And he's like, well, it could be anything. And they're like, no, yes, we know that too. <laughs> <laughs> but then he, he eventually suggests on something in binary language, ones and zeros in groups of eight or 16 characters. And they try a, f- a bunch of them and land on 11001001. And I guess they were like, now let's it. name the episode that. <laughs> yeah, I think I looked up why that was what it was, like what it's supposed to mean. And okay. people have gone through and looked at the numbers and it it, it beca- it's like in hexadecimal, it's like this number in binary, it's this number. Yeah. But the suggestion is that because they at one point Picard looks over and he's like, can it be that simple that it's the name of the binars oh, as they're laying on the floor? Right. So because one of them is called 1100 and 1001. Whatever. Anyways, if you read out their names yeah. as in the order that they're on the floor. Right, because when we met them at the beginning of the episode, the two that we met were 10 and 01. And so then the other two yes. who are there could be 11 and 00. And 00. That yeah. makes sense. Okay. All right. Although they, they don't explicitly say that, but they apparently don't. that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. And then they also realize that they can't, they try it. It, it seems to work, but they can't enter it into the they can't transfer it back until Picard sits down at the other console and and the two of them again have to work together because like the right. binars always work in pairs so they have to work as a pair as well the system reboots and when it does I guess it reinterfaces with the binars and they are resurrected they, they wake up they they're happy and grateful they're so happy. That, <laughs> yeah even though that they're like they're willing to face whatever consequences. Yeah. Are necessary, and so when they find out like what the reason was for taking the ship, they're like, "Why did you just ask us for help?" Yeah, and to which they said, "You might have said no." It's, it's interesting, like like Riker's like, "Well, that's I guess that's part of our biner their binary thinking that it's either yes right. or no, no middle ground." But also, I think like this was a pretty high stakes thing. If the answer was no, like they couldn't risk it. Because if yeah. if the answer was no, then maybe like security on them would have been a little bit tighter and they wouldn't have been able to do that. Especially if the it looks like they didn't have a lot of time left, like their whole right. society was hours from collapsing. Yeah, and so. they thought they were going to have a week to do this and they didn't. They Because right. the Enterprise got there late and then was like, we need to leave in 48 hours. So they were pressured. So yeah. let's let's not be too hard on them. And Picard and Riker don't seem that upset. No, they're, pre- they're pretty understanding yeah. about what happened because they're Starfleet. Yeah. They're always wanting to help people. Always. You know, they might be a little bit upset about the ship being stolen and having to maybe blow themselves up. Yeah. But Picard sits at the con. It yeah. looks like the way he does it is that, you know, it's probably been a while since For he's sure. been in an ensign sitting at the... stands out a little bit. Yeah. And so, and he taps it, of course, back to the Starbase, and it looks really easy to do. I was like, I guess navigating in space is just like Google Maps. You just like punch it in and hit go. go. And the Enterprise flies itself home. There you go. Yeah. yeah, couple things to wrap up. So, so Yar takes the uh, binars to Kinteros, and they understand there will be a hearing. Riker goes back to the holodeck to see Minuet. It's funny. He's like, "Um, if everything's okay here, is it okay if I leave the bridge? I want to go see my holographic <laughs> girlfriend. If that's okay." Yep. But for some reason, which is not fully clear, the enhancements didn't stick, and she is like yeah. this super robotic 
I couldn't even tell if it was played, like if she was played by the same person. I, I was looking at pictures. I couldn't find anything on like IMDb or uh, Memory Alpha. Her hair is different and I feel like her mm-hmm. skin is made to look a little more like plasticky, but I couldn't tell if oh, the face yeah, was yeah. the same. I wondered about that too because it was hard to tell. They're not exactly clear as to why the enhancements were reversed because uh, presumably they're doing upgrades at all the systems that would have stayed. Yeah. Maybe that part, that component, like the her her realness was as a result of the binars being there and, and directly interfacing with the computer at that time or something. I but, guess. You know. Anyway, it wouldn't have been great for the story for Riker to be falling in love with this holographic character. That wouldn't... For the rest of the show? Yeah, I don't think so. So, <laughs> so conveniently, it doesn't work. He goes back to the bridge and he's like... He's sad and Picard's like, oh, you know, sometimes relationships don't work out, which is not helpful. Don't say yeah, that to the, people who are... That's like the only PSA in this episode. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sometimes relationships don't work. Da, 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 but he, I kind of like that he's like, yeah, she'll be difficult to forget. Like, I like that yeah. a little bit. And I I didn't notice this until the end. No Troy in this episode. Yeah. I wonder if this... It's, and I wonder if that's just one of those times where they're like, ah, Troy's powers are inconvenient because mm-hmm. she would know that the binars are up to something. So we'll just like not have her in this episode, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Which is because I feel like she could have added an interesting dimension to the problem solving or mm-hmm. like if it had been her and someone on the ship, she could have like intuited certain things of what they needed to do. Totally. Maybe it wouldn't have been as cool as having the two guys in charge figuring it out and working together. I say that kind of like facetiously. It would have been cool. Right. Yes. I've, I've heard Marina Sirtis say that there were a few occasions where she, they just like got rid of her for an episode because, it, yeah, she wasn't it wasn't convenient to have her because someone who like can read minds would disrupt the plot. It, it seems like there are a number of episodes coming up throughout the course of the whole series where it's like her rather than her powers being cool and useful or writing stories around her abilities she's written out because otherwise there's no mystery that they needed to have happen or whatever well there we are that was the episode thank you so much for listening to this episode of with the first link if you liked what you heard please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a review on apple podcasts or your podcast provider of choice Our cover art was created by Nathan Nunn, and you can find more of his work at NathanNunn.ca. Our theme song is An Amazing Adventure by Flame Lion Studio. You can follow us on Instagram at FirstLinkPod or send us an email at FirstLinkPod at gmail.com to let us know what binaries you want to abolish or for any other reason. You You can email us to tell us other thoughts on the episode always like to get emails i'm ruthie and i'm matthew and if your civilization is run by computer make sure you have a backup copy